the book of Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read one verse, just verse 11. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. If you don't mind one more time just standing for the reading of the word, we want to honor God in doing this. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Amen. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is, and I'm going to take my text from, from these last three words here, Christ the Lord. Everybody say that with me right now. Christ the Lord. Amen. That's not just a simple phrase. Amen. That's something that we're going to learn a little bit about, but it has a lot of significance when we say Christ the Lord. Amen. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for everything that has already transpired here. Thank you for your presence that is here. Thank you for the gift of you that you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for coming down to this earth. And we celebrate you today and every day. Be with us, Lord. We're not just going to gloss over this portion of the service, but we need to hear from you. So we ask that you would speak to our hearts. We open our ears and say, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what your spirit would say to your church today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. There's not much room in the little poem that my mom and dad used to read to us every Christmas and probably to many of you. There's not much room for it in church. But I remember my parents always reading to me around Christmas time that little poem, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." And there's a lot of internet action going on with doing parodies of songs and poems. And I thought I would do a Christian parody twist on Twas the Night Before Christmas. And so this is entitled, Twas the Night Before Jesus' Birth. Twas the night before Jesus' birth, when all through the fields, not a creature was stirring, not even a lamb. The shepherds were watchful of sheep in their care. In hopes that Messiah would soon be there. Bethlehemites were nestled all snug in their beds. While visions of Yeshua danced in their heads. Hadassah in her titial, Isaac in his kippah. Had just settled their brains for joyous siesta. When out on the plains there arose such a chatter. Shepherds sprang from watch to see what was the matter. Down into the meadow they ran like giraffes, wrapped up in their mantles, they threw up their staffs. The moon on the grass of the bright green pasture reflected the glory of heaven on earth. When what to their wondering eyes should appear but a glorious angel with heavenly cheer. With a peaceful voice so tender and mild, he spoke good tidings of the birth of a child. The night skies shone brightly as his praises rang. Glory to God and peace on earth, the lyrics they sang. Now shepherds, now wise men, now Hebrews and Greeks, see Mary, see Joseph at a stable in town. Look, down in the major, your Lord and Savior there lay. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. I wonder what it was really like that night. I had fun writing that. That was kind of... Probably not exactly scripturally accurate, <laughs> but I had fun writing it. But I wonder what it really was like that night when the angels appeared 
to the shepherds. That was the context of the text that we read this morning. The angels came and they filled the sky with heavenly choirs. Now, has anybody ever been out on the plains before? Anybody ever been really in the middle of this big, huge field where there's no trees around? I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the South in Arkansas. And then we moved to Oklahoma when I was a sophomore in high school. Much to my chagrin, I did not want to be in Oklahoma. But I had some good times there. But there's something about Western Oklahoma. You get out there at night and you can see more stars than you ever thought possible because there's no trees out there. And I like trees, so I didn't like it out there. But I come to love it because you could go out at night and the sky was just so big. It was so vast. And I remember standing out there sometimes at night and looking up at the stars thinking, wow, what a huge sky. Think about that. This was a pasture where the sheep were kept. So it probably was a really big field and there was a really big sky. And the Bible tells us that the sky was full of the glory of God and a host of angels. Their angelic voices ringing through the air. Must have been quite an experience. The angels proclaimed to the shepherd that the Savior had been born and they proclaimed him to be. Christ the Lord, which again is the title of my message this morning. I want to point out a very powerful truth about this phrase, Christ the Lord, though. The word Christ in the Greek is the word Christos, and it means anointed. And it's very important that we understand the grammar of this word, because Christos or Christ is not a name. It's an adjective. For those of you who don't know what an adjective, an adjective is, an adjective is a word that describes something. It describes a person, a place, or a thing. Christ in and of itself is not a name. It, it is a title. And so we need to remember that. It's going to play into the rest of this revelation that we need to get this morning. The word Christos is the equivalent to the Hebrew word Hamasiach which is the word that is translated Messiah. And like the word Christos in Greek, the word Messiah means anointed, but it's very specific with the added idea that Messiah is very specific to the one person to whom it is describing. It's like saying um, that person who's very tall, that tall person back there. If I were to point Ben as a very tall guy. Hi, Ben, by the way. Hadn't seen you in a while. If I were to, you know, if we were to all stand up, he probably would tower over most of us that are in here today. Um, and I could point over and say the tall guy over there, and you would probably know exactly who I'm talking about. All right, that's the idea behind Messiah, the anointed one. It's not just anointed but it's the anointed one. And in order to get the full meaning of Hamasiach or Messiah is you've got to understand exactly who it's talking about. 
And so the word Christ or Christos means the anointed one. There's a prophecy concerning the anointed one in the book of Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1. We quote it all the time. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. Jesus actually read that prophecy aloud in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus closed the book and he gave it again to the minister in the synagogue there, and he sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in, in the synagogue were fastened on him. And then the next verse actually goes on to say that Jesus then said, This day is this prophecy fulfilled in your ears. He was the anointed one, for, and it was for a very specific purpose says that he came to heal the brokenhearted. I just can't help but feel this morning that maybe there's somebody in here that's been dealing with a broken heart. Some things have happened in 2019 or maybe even over the course of the last few years and your heart is broken, but Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set at liberty them that are bruised i wonder if any of you have just had a little bit of a bruise and there's been a little bit of a a bump against your heart a bump against your feelings a bump against your emotions a, a a bump against your mind maybe a bump against your finance maybe a bump against your family it's caused you a lot of pain and and it's just kind of there and it's black and blue and and it doesn't look very pretty and it doesn't feel very good and it's still very tender to the touch but jesus said i came to set at liberty them that are bruised. A bruise will keep you from doing certain things. It, it, it actually restricts what you do. And so in a sense, it binds you. It kind of uh, uh, holds you captive in a sense. And Jesus said, no, I came to set at liberty them that are bruised. If you have a bruise in your heart, a bruise in your emotions, Jesus cares not only about the brokenhearted, but he cares about the bruised in heart. And he wants you to know that he wants to set you free. In the book of Proverbs, we read, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'm just trying to flow in the Holy Ghost right now. I told you, I can't gloss over this. Many times, we get bruised or we get wounded by those who we consider our friends. And sometimes, it's justified. Other times, it was just our friends trying to be a good friend. And when the Bible says that faithful are the wounds of a friend, it's saying that that friend was just simply trying to build you up and trying to help you and trying to take care of you um, and, and trying to help you be stronger. And, and, and so many times we get wounded by our friends, and it, it's not because they meant to wound us, but we took it the wrong way. And yet, guess what? Sometimes we get wounded by our friends. We wound our friends. And we get these bruises, and we get this brokenness in our hearts. Jesus says, no, I, I want to heal you from all of that.
I, I want my spirit to come and I want to heal you from your broken heart. I want to heal you and set you free from your bruised spirit. He's anointed to do that. He's the anointed one. He's Christos. He's the Messiah. He is anointed to do that and he can do that for you. Amen. Because to be anointed, it means that the spirit of the Lord is upon someone for the express reason of consecrating them to that purpose. But not only to consecrate them to that purpose, but to furnish them with the necessary power to accomplish that purpose. And so when we say that a savior has been born. When we say Christ the Lord has come. The anointed one has come to be our savior. He has all power to save. Amen. He has all power to save. This little baby whose birth we celebrate today. Grew up to be the man Jesus. Who is anointed to save. He's anointed to deliver. He's anointed to heal. He's anointed to open blinded eyes. He's anointed to mend broken hearts and set at liberty them that are bruised. He is our Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. And he holds all power in his hands. Amen. Now, in Jewish culture, there were three specific offices that required anointing. The office of priest, the office of prophet, and the office of king. And in Jewish history, there were many men who were anointed. There were men who were anointed kings, men who were anointed priests, and men and women who were anointed to be prophets. However, none were ever off, uh, uh, anointed into all three offices. Thus, we get the term Mashak. We talked about Hamasiak, which is Messiah. But there's a term Masak, which is anointed. It just simply means to be anointed. The anointing by the Jews was considered necessary because these ancient Jews believed that the gifts necessary to execute the duties of the king or the duties of a prophet or the duties of a priest that those gifts had to come from God himself the apostle James was referring to this when he wrote that every good and perfect gift is from above it was in their mindset that if they were going to be who God called them to be they needed to have the anointing and the gift that only God can give but here's the deal. When Aaron and his sons were ordained into priesthood, they were anointed, the Hebrew Mashach. When Elisha was ordained as the prophet Elijah's successor, he was anointed to be that successor, to be a prophet, the Hebrew word Mashach. When David was chosen as king of Israel, he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. He was Mashach. He was anointed to be king but no one was ever actually anointed into all three offices simultaneously there was a term however that referred to the anointing of all three offices simultaneously and that is the hebrew word that we've already discussed hamasiach which means messiah it literally literally means the anointed person and it is singular so therefore, it was often phrased the anointed one because there is only 
and could always and ever only be one Messiah and one Savior. There's only one way, one truth, and one life. There's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And there's only one way to come to the Father, and that is through Jesus, the Messiah. And by the way, there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Can we just shout that name this morning? Jesus. Moses and Samuel were never endowed with the title Messiah. Because while they were great prophets, they were neither priest nor king. Aaron and his son Eleazar and even Melchizedek were never called Messiah. Because while they were, a, they were priests and they were high priests, they were not kings and prophets as well. David, Hezekiah, and Josiah, three of Israel's greatest kings, were never called Messiah because they never held the offices of both prophet and priest as well. There is only one who has ever been anointed into all three offices of priest, prophet, and king. And that is the Christ, the anointed one himself, the one we call Jesus, the Christ. But remember that Christos is simply an adjective and a title. Therefore, it means nothing without finding out whom it refers to. The angels proclaim him to be not only Christ, but Christ the Lord. Now we might think that the Lord is a title as well. But in the Greek language, it's more than just a title. Because it is the Greek word kurios. And so when you're saying Christ the Lord, in Greek you are saying Christos kurios. And the word kurios in the literal translation means the possessor of power or control. But it's a very special word because it refers in the Greek language specifically to the Messiah. It is the Greek equivalent, and you're going to laugh at this. I laughed at it when I figured it out. But it is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word hayah. And I actually looked up the pronunciation, and it's haya. And it's not a ninja kung fu term, although that would be pretty cool if Jesus was a ninja. But We know haya in the Hebrew as the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. I am. He's the great I am. I'll never look at that the same again. Haya. Out of the burning bush came the sound, Haya. What is your name? Haya. Well, who should I tell is sending me? Haya, Haya. I am that I am. <laughs> Might be useful in Pharaoh's face. <laughs> but the use of the word kurios in Greek is interesting in the fact that it began to be implemented during the intertestamental period. That period between Malachi and Matthew. If you study Jewish history, the reason there was a there is about 400 years, by the way, between Malachi and Matthew. And during those 400 years, God was silent. And he would not speak to his people. 
And somewhere along that line, the Jews were scattered throughout the world. And they came heavily under the influence of the Greeks. There was a Greek philosopher that came to be in the last century before Jesus. And his name was Philo. Philo was a Hellenistic Jewish philosopher who lived in Alexandria in the Roman province of Egypt. And Philo used philosophical allegory to harmonize Jewish scriptures, mainly the Torah. He wanted to harmonize the Torah with Greek philosophy. We're warned by Paul to not allow tradition and philosophy to come in and mess us up. But even before Jesus' time, they were messing with the truth of God's word. You see, Greek philosophy had a very prevalent thought that the gods were so far above humanity that they could never relate with man. But that is in direct opposition to what scriptures and the history of God's work in the world is all about. In the beginning, he created man in his image. And the Bible says that he would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. Because God is all about relationship. Relationship is very important to him. Everything God has ever done, he has done to bring us into right relationship with him. But somehow, Philo thought that he could harmonize the Greek philosophy with the truth about God. And his philosophy became very popular. His teaching became prevalent. Because remember, God had been silent for over 300 years by the time he came. They were hungry to hear from God. And they were probably willing to embrace just about any wind of doctrine that came their way. But the sad result is that whenever the Jews would recite the Shema, if you don't know what the Shema is, it's the, the, the scripture that they would quote every day, many times a day. They kept it on their doorpost and they would walk in and kind of on the right as they walked in their, their house, it would be there and they would touch it and they would carry it with them. And it is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Or here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one he is one Lord. But when the Jews, by the time Jesus came around, would recite, would recite the Shema, they would not even mention his name anymore. Now, they were afraid to say his name because Philo's philosophy and this Greek philosophy had gotten in there to make them think that God would not relate to them anymore. And so they no longer spoke the name of God. So they came up with a generic way to refer to God, which replaced the actual name. And yet still in their mind directly referred to God himself, directly referred to the I am, directly referred to Hayah. But that generic form of God's name, they got even so crazy with it that they wouldn't even write it all the way out. They took the vowels out, it, out of it and created a four-letter uh, tetragaman or something like some word like that in which it is Y-H-W-H from which, which we get the name that we hear sung a lot called Yahweh. The Greek form of Y-H-W-H is kurios. 
it means Lord. But kurios is the Greek word that was used to refer to the name of God. We need to understand this. Christos, Christ, is the title, Messiah, anointed one. Kurios, or Lord, is the name identifying who or which person to whom the title is referring. And that name is Yahweh, as many say today. The Jehovah God of the Old Testament. Anytime you see in your Bible the word Lord in all capital letters, that is the name of God that they're referring to. It's the Old Testament Lord. And, and the Lord, what you got to understand is Christos Kurios shows us that the anointed one, the Messiah, is the God of the Old Testament manifest in flesh. Christ the Lord in the New Testament is the I am that I am of the Old Testament. The baby Jesus, whose birthday we celebrate in this season, was in fact the incarnation of the God of the Old Testament himself, Jehovah or Yahweh himself. He wasn't just another one sitting along on the side. No, God became flesh himself. John 1 and 14 says, The Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full, sorry Sister Ellen that your hands are on fire, full of grace and truth. Kurios represents the name of God. It refers literally back to Haya, Haya, I am, that I am. And by the way, every other name of God that is found in the Old Testament, Christos Kurios, or Christ the Lord, is the same Jehovah Rapha of the Old Testament. The Lord, my healer, manifest in flesh. Christos Kurios, or Christ the Lord, is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who sees me manifest in the flesh Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord is Jehovah Shalom the Lord my peace manifest in the flesh oh I'm so glad he's my prince of peace Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord is Jehovah Osenu the Lord our maker the one God who created us manifest in the flesh Christos Kurios, or Christ the Lord, is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider, manifest in the flesh. And he did not just provide a sacrifice for my sins, but he became flesh in order to become the sinless sacrifice for my sins and for your sins. Christos Kurios, or Christ the Lord, is Elhane Eman. Which means the faithful God manifest in flesh. Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord is El Hagadol. The great God manifest in flesh. Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord is El Elyon. The most high God manifest in flesh. 
Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord is El Elkad, the one true God manifest in flesh. Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord is Elohe, the God of justice manifest in flesh. Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord is Elohe Selikot, the God of forgiveness manifest in flesh. Aren't you thankful for forgiveness this morning? Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord is Elohe Mikarov, the God who is near. Manifest in the flesh. I'm thankful he's near. Bible says he's never far from any of us. Especially close to the broken hearted. He's a very present help in trouble. Christos Kurios or Christ the Lord. Is Elohe Motsi. The God of my strength. Manifest in flesh. Christos Kurios, or Christ the Lord, is Elohe Chaim, the living God, manifest in flesh. Christos Kurios is Christ the Lord, or Elohe Elohim, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, manifest in flesh. Christos Kurios is, or Christ the Lord, is El Shaddai, the Almighty, the All-Sufficient One, manifest in the flesh. I'm so thankful that Christos Kurios, or Christ the Lord, is my Emmanuel, God with us, manifest in the flesh. But most of all, I'm thankful that I don't have to make up some sort of generic way to refer to my God. I'm thankful that I don't have to figure out some way that, to, to refer to Him without saying His name. But in our day and age, He has revealed His name unto us. That name that we sing about that is so wonderful and so beautiful and so powerful isn't the name of Jesus wonderful. I call Him Jesus, my rock. I call him Jesus, the lover of my soul. I call him Jesus, my Emmanuel, with me always and never will leave me or forsake me. I call him Jesus, my prince of peace. I call him Jesus, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. I call him Jesus, my Redeemer, and my friend who sticks closer than a brother. I call him Jesus, my King. Jesus, my Lord. Jesus, my God. Jesus, my Savior. Jesus, my Healer. Jesus, my deliverer. Jesus, my peace speaker. Jesus, my Jesus, my friend. And I want you to stand with me, please. Because the reason we celebrate Jesus, or Christ the Lord, Christos Kurios, is because he is everything that God is. At all times and in all places. When you call the name of Jesus, you are calling on the one who has all power in his hands. 
the anointed one who is anointed not only to do what he needs to do for you, but has been given the power and possesses the power to do it. And so we close with the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all. Somebody say all. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And just the first part of verse 10. And ye are complete in him. Jesus is everything God is. And therefore, he is everything I need. And he's everything you need. And he wants to make me, and he wants to make you complete in him. And so this year, let's keep that in mind as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. We're going to sing, Hark the Herald Angels sing in just a little bit as we close. But maybe today you've not known him for who he really is. While we're singing and while we're praying, because I'm going to open the altars in a moment just for a little while if you want to come and pray. I normally wouldn't do it on Christmas, but I've, the Lord told me not to gloss over this. And I feel like if you need prayer, we're going to pray with you today. Amen. But maybe you've not known him for who he really is. I want you to come down here and see me this morning. We can start a Bible study to get you on a journey to know him or to help you get back in close relationship with him the way he desires. Because that's why he came. That's what this Christmas season is all about, getting back into relationship with him. Maybe you've just had a tough year in 2019. Many of us have. There's been surgeries and pains and losses and setbacks. All kinds of crazy things that's happened in 2019. But as we sing this song, I want you to reach out to Jesus. Because he will be everything you need if you let him. And so we're going to sing this song. And as we sing, I want you to do two things. I want you to commit to make him your Christ, your Lord today. And if you want to pray, I want you to come down here and pray. We'll pray with you as long as you need to pray as we sing. Hark the herald angels sing. Hark the herald angels sing.